Today, we're in the fourth week of a series we've been calling The Dilemma, and we've been studying the book of Daniel. By the way, my name's PJ. If, if you don't know me, I'm one of the pastors here. We're glad that you're with us today. I'm sorry for not introducing myself, but uh, we've been in a series over the last three weeks studying the book of Daniel, talking about how do we, how do we stand firm in our faith and love people well in a culture that is rapidly changing on us, that's moving more and more godly, ungodly every single day. And, and a lot of people think that, like, I, I have to choose one or the other. Either I'll choose to uh, stand firm where I'll, I'll trust what God's Word says, and I'm going to stand firm on this, but people are going to hate me, but I'll make it to heaven, so I guess that's, that's a good trade-off, and, and that's one side of it. Or over here, that I'm going to love people well, and because I'm going to love people well, it means that people aren't going to accept what God says, so I'm going to have to change this his book and his words, so it'll be more palatable for them. And, and, and they think, they actually think that they, they can love better than God can. And here's the thing, love, God doesn't love, God is love. It isn't something he does, it's just the very essence of who he is. And I don't think as Christ followers, we have to choose we're either going to love well or we're going to stand firm. I believe that we can do both and influence our culture all at the same time. And that is exactly what Daniel did. And so last week we talked about how do we stand firm, and today we're going to end on how do we love well. And there's a great verse in Galatians 5, 6 that says, the only thing that counts, and I think that anytime the Bible says the only thing that counts, that's a good stopping place for us to go, what is it, it going to say next? Like, what is the thing that matters most in life? The Bible is saying, hey, you better recognize this. You better realize that this is an important, important thing. It says the only thing that counts is faith. It's saying, like, listen, your foundation is an important element, but it's not the only element. It says faith expressing itself through love. It's not enough for you just to have faith. I mean, that's an important element, but if your faith isn't displaying love at the same time, then there is a, you're missing the balance of the gospel because it's not just grace, but it's also truth. And it's not just truth, but it's also grace. And so there's this balance there that you've got to have both your firmness and love at the same time. And let's be real honest. The church hasn't got this down real well. In fact, we've been known more for being dogmatic and argumentative than we have been for love. In fact, most people would recognize us more by the fights that we've picked than the love that we've displayed. And that's an unfortunate thing. In fact, John Knox, who we have, who we have an entire uh, seminary here, we have an entire village named after John Knox, says this. He says, we cannot antagonize and influence at the same time. And I think that that's a good word for us today. We can't antagonize and influence at the same time. I have a pastor friend who says it like this. You will never win your enemies to Christ, so don't have any. That's some good advice right there. Listen, if you want to influence people and, and influence our culture, you can't influence them if everybody hates you. Come on now, isn't that true? If, everybody, if nobody likes you, they're not listening to what you're saying Anyways, and if there was anybody that came along that lived this out so well, it's Daniel. But somebody that lived it out even better than Daniel, of course, was Jesus. And Jesus came along, and, and if you look at Jesus' life, for the most part, he got along with most people. The only time there was ever a little bit of rub was when it came to religious people. And even in those religious people moments, he still was very graceful and respectful. In fact, one of the moments that he was having some rub with people comes in John 13, 34, and 35. 
And Jesus says this, a new command I give you, which is interesting because this isn't really a new command that he's going to give these people. The reality is, is that they had heard this command a whole lot, but they'd gotten so dogmatic with the law that they forgot about love and they were actually hindering people instead of helping people. And so he goes, hey, I want to I wanna help you see something that maybe you're missing here. And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to package it in some new vernacular. And so a new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. Watch this. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you, notice what he doesn't say. He doesn't say, You'll, people will know you're my disciple if you go and get baptized in water. Not that that's a bad thing, it's actually a good thing, but that's not how they're going to know you're my disciple. Notice he doesn't say, they'll know you're my disciple if you memorize a whole bunch of scripture. Again, a good thing, but that isn't how people are going to know. They'll, they'll know that you're my disciple if you give a whole bunch of stuff away. You go and you serve a whole bunch. And he doesn't, he doesn't use all, any of those ways to describe a disciple. He says, they'll know that you are my disciples if you love, not yourself, but one another. Of all the features that he could choose that would be the distinguishing feature of Christianity, he chose love. It's our love for one another and see i know that anytime i start preaching a message like this there's always people that'll be like oh tj that that's a good thing we should we should know about love but i i'm looking for some deeper teaching than that i'm looking for something that like like it's really good and we can go greek and we can we can go and we can break down every single word but you know what deep teaching means it just means confusing a lot of people think, man, I, what I need is confusing teaching, and then I feel like I really got something. Why? Because we want to tickle our intellect. And Jesus is like, man, I'm not about tickling your intellect. I'm about going deep down in your heart because you got to go deep to love your enemy. You got to go deep down to, to love those who persecute you. You got to go deep down to, to not cuss the person out that cut you off on 95 that almost killed you running into the other person. Am I right? you got to dig down deep in those moments. He says, I'm not about you having more information. I'm more about your life displaying love every single day. In fact, the Bible tells us this is the, this is the ultimate thing. In, in, in Corinthians, it says, let love be your greatest aim. If you're going to aim at something in life, make the bullseye of your life loving other people. And so today, I want to give you some principles out of 1 Corinthians Chapter 13, it's a love chapter. If you've been to a wedding, you've probably heard this spoken at a wedding. If you come to one of my weddings, you won't hear this spoken at my wedding because I don't use this, this passage of Scripture. But if, uh, uh, it, it's one of the most famous ones that is out there. And, uh, and, and it, talk, it describes if you don't have love, what is your life like? And in fact, if you're taking notes, without love, all that I say in life is ineffective. If we don't have love, everything that we're saying is ineffective. Our words don't really matter too much anymore if they're not coming out with a spirit of love behind them. And I know that some of you will push back and go, but TJ, listen, I'm right. Maybe, but nobody likes what's coming out of your mouth, so does it matter? And they'll push back and they'll go, but, but again, I'm right. And, and I've learned this principle in marriage. 
You can win the argument and be right, or you can win the heart. So when you win the heart, you get to sleep in your own bed. When you win the argument, you get to sleep on the couch. I mean, that's how, that's how marriage, no, I'm just First Corinthians says, if I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, basically saying you're the smartest and most eloquent person in the room, which some of you think you are, but do not have love to everybody that's listening to you. You're just a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. Now, I want to address something here because I think we live in a very toxic, vulgar, antagonistic society today. We, we live in a culture that today glorifies comments and opinions, and, and I think social media feeds it, political agendas uh, push it, and, and, and for some reason we've gotten to this place today where if I disagree with you, then I hate you. And because I hate you, I want you to, like, you're evil, and you don't even deserve to suck air on this planet anymore. And I know that, that I'm, I'm, that's none of you guys, except I've seen your Facebook comments. You think I'm joking. I'm not. <laughs> Listen, I'm, I'm calling our church to be different. I'm calling us to not allow that junk to come out of our mouths. It may be true, but is it helpful? Listen, there's some things that are true that you just don't say. My mom used to tell me, if you don't have something nice to say, don't say anything at all. We lost that principle somewhere. If you don't have something that's helpful, then, then it, it's not helping anybody. In fact, Ephesians tells us to speak the truth, which some of you are like, speak the truth. That's, you, you stand on that scripture, but you forget the next part of it, in love. Like we're called to speak the truth in love, in every way, growing in every way, more and more like Jesus. Every time I, I arrive at Jesus, man, he always had this, this grace and this love about him that when he did speak truth, it was helping people, not hurting them. That's why further down in Corinthians 4.29 or Ephesians, it says, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs. Most of the arguments, most of our bickering in life is wh why do we do that? Because it's justifying our needs. But the Bible doesn't say it's about us. It says it's about them that it may benefit, not you, but those who listen. It says, listen, everything that's coming out of our mouths is either building people up and tearing them down. Our words either elevate or they, they lower people. And I think as a church and as a people of God, we should make a commitment that, hey, you know what? The words that are coming out of my mouth are going to build people up rather than tear them down. When I'm in my home, I'm going to build up my spouse. I'm going to build up my children. When I go to work, I'm going to build up my boss. I'm going to build up my coworkers. When I get on Facebook, I'm going to encourage and build people up rather than tear them down. And watch what happens in your life. And watch the influence that you start to have in your sphere of your world. Without love, all I know is insignificant. Now, I don't know if you know this or not, but they say that knowledge uh, is doubling every 12 months right now. 
the amount of information that's out there. People have more knowledge every 12 months than they ever had before. It used to be every three years. Before that, it was every, every decade. Uh, it's just growing at a rapid capacity. In fact, they say within the next three to five years, it'll be every 12 to 24 hours that knowledge will double. Pretty crazy. And what it tells me is that we're getting smarter, but our world is getting worse at the same time. We have more information and smarter phones, but worse relationships. What's up with that? I think we're going in the wrong direction. 1 Corinthians 13, 2 says, if I have the gift of prophecy, like, like I know everything that's going on out there. There's not like anything I don't know and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge. But I don't have love. All I have is insignificant. Without love, all I believe is insufficient. So here's the deal, and, and somebody's going to hate me for this. Just prepping myself for the hate emails. Uh, it doesn't really matter if you believe in Jesus, because even the devil believes in Jesus. Belief is not enough when it comes to love. You have to attach some behavior to that belief and that's what changes everything he continues and says if I have faith it can move mountains but don't have love I am nothing see without love all I give is incomplete and let me just say this as a church you guys are so freaking generous uh, and my wife's gonna kill me because I said freaking um, <laughs> trying to work on my words right now she she hates me saying that so um you guys are so amazingly generous and, and, and i don't tell you enough all, all the good that you're doing in the world because of your generosity and in fact let me just take a moment and tell you about one thing that because of your generosity you're you're doing that you probably never know about uh every year we we, we have a care point we have care points in in south africa and tubalisha and Chakaskan, somewhere somebody's going to correct me on that saying because I can't ever say that name. Um, but we have about 500 kids that come to those care points every day that are getting fed, that are hearing the gospel message, that are getting taken care of. A lot of these kids are, are orphans. A lot of these kids are living with extended family because their parents are away or they've died or they were abandoned. And so we're, we're the only family they have is through these care points. And uh, every Christmas, typically we've thrown a big party for them for Christmas. But for the vast majority of them, they, they never get to celebrate Christmas because they live in such a poor community that the government has subsidized even their housing there. Like they, they built them homes because they were so poor they couldn't survive and sustain on their own. And so, I mean, it's a super poor community. And so this year I was talking with uh, some of our partners there and I said, hey, uh, as a church, like I don't want any kid not to have Christmas this year. I want to make sure that as a church we provide Christmas for every single kid. So what is that going to take? What was it going to do? And through our partnership with Children's Cup, they said, listen, we've come up with a plan that every single kid based on their age, we're going to give them gifts this year. And, uh, and so for the very, very first time this year at Christmas, every single kid that's coming to our care points are going to get a gift. They're going to hear the gospel message. And they're going to hear it because of the generosity of you, that Jesus loves them and Coastal cares about them, that they're going to have the opportunity to see Christ like they've never seen him before. And so, man, thank you on behalf of our church for just giving above and beyond. Because listen, it says in verse 13, if I give all I possess to the poor, if I do that and I don't do it with love, then it's meaningless. And one of the things I love is that we do a lot of help out there in the world, but we always attach Jesus to that help. 
We always attach the ultimate love aspect to whatever felt needs that we take care of. So they, they not only get the felt need taken care of, but they also get the Jesus aspect taken care of because without love, it's meaningless. And without love, all I accomplish is inadequate. And we all value accomplishment in life, but I don't know if you realize this, but we're going to be audited at the end of our life before God one day. And uh, your heaven and hell isn't, isn't something that you can accomplish in life. That was accomplished by what Christ has already done. He did that on the cross. And all we have to do is accept that. You can't earn your way to salvation. That's already a free gift. But the Bible talks about there is a second judgment seat. And at that judgment seat, you're going to be, you're going to be audited and you're going to be rewarded based on not what you have accomplished. So when I get there in heaven, God's not going to be like, so TJ, how many people came to Coastal on the last Sunday before? Like, that's not what's going to determine how I live in heaven. What's going to be determined how I live is how I love people. How I showed mercy and grace to those who needed mercy and grace in those moments. How I was compassionate to the compassionless. That's what I'm going to be evaluated on. That's why it says in verse 3, if I give over my body a hardship that I may boast, but don't have love, I gain nothing. Let me say it this way. Your life minus love equals zero. It doesn't matter what I accomplish in my life. If I'm not living a life of love for people, it's going to equate to nothing before the eyes of God. Like, he's not looking for us to go accomplish a whole bunch of tasks. He's looking for us to go and love people unconditionally. That's why this message is so important for the church right now. It's so important for us individually because it's not about what we can accomplish in life. It's about how do we take on the very nature of Jesus and love people unconditionally. And that's a hard thing to do. It's really easy for us to get over here on this side and say, you know what, I'm going to stand firm and I'm going to pull up my bootstraps and I'm, gonna, I'm just going to stand in this place and this is what God says. It's a totally different thing to go love people that have no reason to be loved by you. That, my friends, is hard and that's exactly what Jesus did. That's why 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 4 through 8 describes what love is and what does it look like in life because it's so different than what we think. We think love means I get something. Love means I give something. In 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 8, it says, love is patient. Love is kind. It doesn't envy. It does not boast. It isn't proud. It does not dishonor others. Hello. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with truth. It always protects, it always trusts, it always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. And it will never fail you. And I wonder what would happen is, is, is that as individuals and as a church, we chose to say, you know what, every day I'm going to live with this focus of I want my life to be about loving people well every single day. And I know some of you are like, well, TJ, how do you do that? You do exactly what Daniel did. You stand firm in your beliefs and you honor people. You stand firm in your beliefs and you respect others. You stand firm in your beliefs and you serve other people, even when it isn't exactly the nicest thing that they're doing. 
And in the middle of that, you'll end up having influence and the people that you're serving will end up loving you because of the way you live. And they won't be able to look at your life and find anything wrong with your life except that you love God. And if that's the greatest thing that's wrong with your life, man, that's a great life. In fact, in Daniel chapter 6, it says this. It says, it pleased Darius to appoint 120 satraps to rule throughout the kingdom with three administrators over them, one of whom was Daniel. Which, if you just think about this, was crazy because here's the king of Babylon uh, named Darius, and he's looking to put people in charge. And typically, they would put their own people in charge of things. But they notice that this Hebrew boy just lives completely different than other people. He's got so much respect of the people that they, they acknowledge that there's something different about him. And man, we need to put him in charge. Like, we can't just push him off to the side. Like, he needs to be in a place of prominence. And it says the satraps were made accountable to them so the king might not suffer loss. Now, Daniel so distinguished himself, he decided, man, I'm going to go into my culture and I'm not going to be like everybody else. I'm going to be a little bit different. He so distinguished himself among the administrators and the satraps by his exceptional qualities. And I love those two words right there, exceptional qualities, because this is an amazing thing. Because it means that I don't have to be the smartest person in the room. I don't have to be the best looking person in the room. I don't have to have uh, come from a certain family. But there are some choices that I can make to live with some godly principles and some godly ways that every single one of us can, can make on a daily basis that will cause us to be, have exceptional qualities that will make the rest of the world take notice of our lives. It says he had these exceptional qualities that the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. So he's about to get it all. At this, the administrators and satraps tried to find grounds for charges against Daniel where in his conduct, in the way of government able to do so because they could find no corruption in him, because he was trustworthy and neither corrupt nor negligent. Notice it wasn't based on what degrees he had or, or what he had accomplished. It was in what, how he had behaved. Finally, these men said, we will never find any basis for charges against this man, Daniel, because honestly, he's just got a pure heart. They said, they actually end up saying, unless we find something with his God. They said, basically, this guy lives such an upright life, and he so reflects his God that uh, unless there's something wrong with his God, then there, we, we won't be able to find anything wrong with him. And here's what I know, is that you and I, we cannot control our skill set. We can't control our gifts and our abilities. But what we can control, what we can make a choice on every single day, is the attitude we will have. What we can choose every single day is whether we will or we won't respect other people. What we can choose whether we will or we won't love people unconditionally. None of those things are a feeling, they are a choice. And God has equipped each and every one of us with the ability to choose to do some things and, and if we'll choose to do them, it will distinguish ourselves from the rest of the world and they'll go, man, there's something different about that guy. That guy just, man, I don't know what it, you know what it is? is he loves well. And there, I think that there are three things that we can choose to do that will distinguish ourselves from the rest of the world. The first one is this, is we can serve people. Just go into your world tomorrow and say, man, I'm going to figure out a way just to serve the people around me. I'm going to look for needs. I'm going to try to meet those needs as best as I can. I'm just going to serve people. But TJ, I'm in charge. Even better, 
Man, if you're the boss and you choose to serve other people, man, you just display Christ even more. I love what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 9.19. Though I am free, he goes, listen, I'm the boss and belong to no one, so nobody can tell me what to do. I have made myself a slave. Basically, I've chosen to, chosen to serve. I've made myself a slave to everyone. Why? So that I can win as many as possible. He goes, man, I want to win people's hearts. And that's what Jesus did. He walked into every single culture, and he didn't go trying to find their faults. He walked in to win their hearts. I like to say it like this. Jesus connected before he corrected. And I think it's one of the greatest things that you and I can do. We can make a choice to connect with people. And, and, and here's what I'm asking you to do. I'm just asking you to connect with people. Well, what does that look like? Here's a great way. Just ask a question. Hey, how you doing? And then do this thing that we're not really good at anymore. Listen to what they say. They'll go, here's what most of you, oh, I'm good. And here's what you do. Good? Why aren't you great? And all of a sudden, that person will just, well, honestly, my mom's been sick. Really, tell me some more about that. Well, she just got diagnosed with cancer, and she's been in the hospital. My dad's been worried, and I've been worried. And you go, oh, man, can we bring your family some meals? Could, could I pray with you right now for your mom and your dad and your family to have peace in this moment? You're not preaching Jesus to anybody. You're just loving well in that moment. And you see this happening with Jesus all the time. One of my favorite stories is the story of Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus was a wee little man. A wee little man was he. Come on, Baptist people, where are you at? <laughs> and uh, Zacchaeus was an outcast of his society. He was a traitor. He was a liar. He was a thief. He was like basically anything you could pick. That's what he was. And when Jesus walked up to him, Jesus didn't see Zacchaeus as a wee little man who was a liar and thief. He wasn't like, hey, you liar, get out of the tree. No, 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 that wasn't what he's like. He walked up to Zacchaeus and he's like, hey, Zacchaeus. Let's do some lunch. Zacchaeus is like, Carabas? He's like, yeah, I love Carabas. And they do. The scripture says they went, to, they, they went to lunch at Zacchaeus' house, and he's a liar and a thief. And what you see is in the very next verse, he walks out of his house, and he says, hey, listen, anybody I've wronged, I'm going to repay them back multiple times. Now, I don't know about you, but I, I read stories like that, and I'm like, what the heck happened at lunch? i like, Jesus, what did you say to him? This is what I know, is Jesus connected before he ever corrected. The transformation came with the invitation to lunch. So maybe today, maybe tomorrow, maybe this week, all you need to do is you just need to, hey, let's go grab some coffee. Why do you want to have coffee? You want to invite me to church? Well, well maybe that'll be the end product, but I just want to see how you're doing. Just care about people. Number two. Choose to set an example for them. Choose to set an example. Listen, th this is what I, I want for every single one of us, but I also know the reality that is I look at myself and I go, man, I don't want anybody to, 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 to be like me. 
Some of y'all feel the same way. You look at your life and you're like, man, I, like if, if I'm the example for Christ, that's, that's not really the picture that I, I want other people to see. And my dream for you as your pastor is that, man, you would come to church every week, which I know is a stretch, and that you would come and you would get involved in connect groups and do community and do life with other people, and, and you would get involved and serve on the dream team in some area of capacity on the weekends. Not because I want something from you, it's because I want something for you, because I know that when you start doing those things, what will happen is God will change your heart. And that's what I'm after. I want God to transform your heart. But it happens by you throwing yourself in that place. If I were to walk over and I were to talk to a Susie or I talk to a Rodrigo or I would walk around to people that have been here at our church and I would say, hey, tell me your story. This is what you would hear. Hey, my name is blank. I've been at Coastal for blank. I'm not where I want to be, but I'm not where I used to be. And praise God, God is up to something in my life and I can't wait to see what he's doing. Man, my hope is that he, he's working on you to the point where you walk into work on Monday morning when everybody's like, oh, man, it's Monday. And you're like, whoa, it's Monday. What's up, people? They're like, what in the heck has gone in you? And you're like, man, I went to church yesterday, and that preacher, he's good looking, and he's preaching fire. <laughs> is that amen on the good looking part or the preaching fire? I just, I just want to I just wanna check. I just, It's probably the fire part. <laughs> Jesus tells us in Matthew chapter 5, you're the salt of the earth. He says, listen, all you gotta, what you need to do is you need to show up to places and make things taste better. You know how you do that? You show up to work tomorrow and you bring a box of hot now. If you go to Krispy Kreme, you hook your coworkers up. Make things taste better. But if salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? If it is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. Don't just say, make things better, make things brighter. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people put a light, a lamp, and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Let me say it this way. The greatest influence we can have on our world is how we live our lives. You don't have to be perfect. You just got to, every day, God, I'm pursuing you and I'm getting better. Man, I'm becoming more salty. I'm serving other people. My life is becoming more and more of an example. I'm becoming more of a light. And I believe that the, when the opportunity presents itself, number three, what we'll do is we'll share Christ with them. To share Christ with them and listen. All you have to do is take a couple of minutes and listen to people, and this is what you're going to hear. People are hurting. People are hopeless. People are broken. People are destitute, and they're looking. I do it every single day. And they're looking for an answer that they can't find in things. They can't find in a relationship. They can't find in their spouse. They can't find in their kids. The only place they're going to find it is a relationship with Jesus Christ. That's why First Peter tells us, but in your hearts, always revere Christ as Lord. It says, basically, just fall in love with Jesus. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give a reason for the hope you have. Notice it's not about their beliefs. It's about you telling what God has done in your life. Do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience so those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. I love how St. Francis of Assisi said it. He said, preach the gospel, and if necessary, use words. 
Let's preach it. That's a great way to summarize this. Because here's the deal. I believe how I act is way more important than what I say. Susie, if you want to make your way up. And I know some of y'all are going to say, well, TJ, how do I do that? Because I've tried to act right. I've tried to act right. I've tried to act right. I've tried to do that on my own. And listen, there's just some things you can't do within your own power. There's some changes you can't make on your own. It's only when you experience the power and love of Jesus Christ that it increases your capacity to make those kind of changes, to have those kind of impacts. And what God wants to do more than anything is he wants to increase our capacity and he wants to do a miracle in our life. It says we love because Christ first loved us. See, we can't do it on our own merits. Only when we experience God's love that the miracle happens inside of us. That's why this message isn't a self-help message. It's a message to get you help from the one that can help you. And I love what Romans 5, 8, it says, but God demonstrates. He doesn't tell. He shows his own love for us in this that while we were still sinners, like while Jesus was up on the cross, he wasn't looking around going, I wonder if somebody's going to accept me. If you'll accept me, I'll go ahead and go through with this. He goes, no, no, no. He said he died for us. That's the ultimate example of love. He said while we were jacked up and messed up, Jesus goes, man, I I got you. Whether you accept me or not, I'm going to love you. I'm going to display what true love is. And I believe that if we can grab a hold true love our capacity to love this world becomes so much greater would you guys bow your heads and pray